Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about killer confections and morality monsters. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Haley Henson and Justine Anastasia are voice talents Olivia Steele, Nick Goroff, Eric Peabody, Michelle Kane, and Justine Anastasia. Christmas time has come and gone, but so much horror happened over the season that we just had to bring you more. Kind of like when the kiddos go back to school and their teachers ask what they did over the winter break. Well, this is what we've been up to. Now, get your ticket ready. Take your seat in our theater of the minds and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale this evening is written by Haley Henson and performed by Olivia Steele 
Nick Goroff, Eric Peabody, and Michelle Kane. In it, we meet a young man suffering from two issues, delusions of grandeur and one hell of an attitude problem. What can go wrong? Now, without further ado, I present to you, He Sees You When You're Sleeping. It was a few weeks before Christmas when all through my office, the co-workers at my dead-end job decided to throw their annual Christmas party. Except this year, I was determined that none of them would live to celebrate the stupid festive season at all. In fact, I'd been thinking about how I was going to pull off mass murder for some time now, and our Christmas party was what finally switched on that light bulb in my head. But we'll get to that in a moment. I need to plead my case so you don't think I'm a complete psychopath for what I'm about to tell you. After two years of constant bullcrap, I was fed up. I was sick and tired of being treated no better than a rat. Between endless coffee orders, picking up dry cleaning, disgruntled customer service calls, and cleaning up atomic explosions in the break room microwave, I was just about on the edge of snapping. And then I got an email from the overly peppy receptionist they had just hired about a month ago. The crippling depression from working at this company still hadn't set in yet. Bless her heart. Hey, Office fam. I was told it was time to send out the annual Office Christmas party email, so here are all the deets. Please join us for dinner this Thursday, December 7th, 2023 at 6 p.m. This event will take place at Sunny Wilson's Steak Room, so please dress in formal attire. Instead of a gift exchange this year, with the permission of Dr. Jameson, I've decided to spice things up. Please bring a batch of cookies to exchange with everyone in attendance. At the end of the night, we should all leave with an assorted box of delicious goodies. Please RSVP to the Google invite ASAP. Reservations will need to be made, so I need a headcount by the close of the day if at all possible. Happy holidays and an even happier new year. Per Dr. Jameson, please remember that the office will be closed December 20th through January 2nd to spend this delightful holiday season with our families. Be sure to thank him for his ample generosity by contributing to the gift basket that we will be presenting to him at the party. Thanks! Talia Freeman. I was about to respond to another email when I heard the sound of a throat being cleared behind me. I know it sounds silly to know exactly who a person is based off such an insignificant action, but I knew exactly who it was, and he was the last thing I wanted to deal with right now. Chrissy, could you clean up the microwave in the break room? I just cooked a can of raviolis and it exploded all over the place. Looks like a crime scene in there. A sigh blew past my lips as I fought the urge to stab the person who was the constant culprit of this issue with a letter opener sitting on my desk. Dr. Dawson, I've told you this before, but I'll remind you again. This is something that housekeeping does. Are you being short with me? My fingers pinched the bridge of my nose as I turned in my chair to face the man. He looked like the epitome of daddy's money, and in a way, he was. 
Ever since he stepped foot into this office, Dr. Jameson had taken him under his wing as if he was his son. So, despite how badly I wanted to let my intrusive thoughts win, I pasted a fake smile and stood from my chair. No, I'm not. I'll get to work on cleaning that microwave right away. That's what I thought. The smirk that curled at his lip made the anger simmering within me almost bubble over into a boil. Excuse me? With a turn of my heel, I whipped around to face him. <laughs> you heard me. In fact, you would make a pretty little maid. Come clean my house when you're done. I shot him a glare before holding up a middle finger and storming off to the break room. But he wasn't done yet. I'd been in the break room for less than a minute before Dawson came strolling in, hands shoved into his suit jacket pockets. You know, Chrissy, I didn't really appreciate that behavior. The condescending tone of his voice was really rubbing me the wrong way, and I had a mile-long list of things I still had to attend to. I really didn't have time for a silly charades today. So I simply chose to ignore him, reaching into the cabinet under the sink and rifling through the cleaning supplies instead. When I stood up to set everything down on the counter, though, I was met with the incredibly imposing form of Dawson standing over me. Before I could even react, he had caged me in, forcing me back against the counter. Predatory eyes roved over me, briefly glancing at my chest before meeting my eyes. You know, it really is a shame that such a beautiful woman has to work so hard. I sucked in a breath, shifting uncomfortably in my heels. I guess a pretty face isn't worth much when it isn't smart, huh? With a tap to the side of my head, he chuckled. Too bad there isn't much that goes on up there. His finger twirled a strand of blonde hair around his finger before he brushed his thumb over the fullness of my bottom lip. I bet I know what you are good for, though. My brows furrowed angrily as I swatted his hand away. Don't touch me. I ground the words out between clenched teeth, my voice a deadly hiss. Feisty. A wicked beam burned at icy blue irises, his hand traveling down the length of my pencil skirt before giving my butt a rough smack. Before I even realized what I was doing, my hand flew up and slapped the side of his face so hard that it stung. My chest heaved as I took in large gulps of air. I was so livid that I was shaking. In a matter of seconds, his expression flickered between surprise, disbelief, and then anger. With a shove, one of his hands wrapped around my neck like vines of ivy, creeping up the expanse of it before settling at my jaw. My head slammed into the back of a cabinet, the cleaning supplies clattering to the ground. You filthy little whore! Stop! Both of us turned, slightly taken aback at the intrusion. It was the new guy. He was hired just a couple of weeks ago, and he had become a constant laughing stock in the office. His nickname of Santa's Little Helper quickly gained traction when Talia caught him working as Santa meet-and-greet at the mall. It turned out that he volunteered to work there on the weekends. Despite him dressing as one of the elves, he was well over six feet tall. 
I guess it was sort of ironic that the largest man in the office spent some of his time dressed as something known to be short in his free time. I was never more thankful for his presence. Listen, Nick. This is all a big misunderstanding. Dawson backed away with his hands raised awkwardly, shifting in place before he rubbed the back of his neck. It didn't look like a misunderstanding. Nick's tone sliced through the tension in the room and warned Dawson to stand down. A glare settled over his features, his jaw clenched as he leaned against the doorframe, arms crossed tightly over his chest. Nick's gray dress shirt was stretched taut against the bulge of his biceps, the fabric straining against the expanse of his largely broad shoulders. Either I had never noticed, or I'd simply been too busy, but in the right light, Nick looked kind of threatening. Based on his physique alone, he could probably chew Dawson up and spit him out in less than a second. Look, I was just leaving. No, you're not. My eyes darted between the two men before landing back on Nick. Not until you clean that microwave. Dawson bristled, clearly getting aggravated with his demands. Stop throwing your weight around, new kid. I'll tell Dr. Jameson. Tell him what? That you were assaulting a co-worker? Dawson's gulp was audible. Fine. With a nod, Nick beckoned me towards him, but before I could even step past the threshold of the door, Dawson was quick to remind me of my status at this hellhole. Chrissy? I paused mid-step, glancing briefly at Nick. I don't care what anyone in this office says. You're no more than a pathetic assistant that begs for breadcrumbs at the feet of a bunch of big shots who have degrees. You'll never amount to anything, and never will. Santa's little helper over there. It took everything I had to bite back my anger. Nick simply chuckled. Despite the fact that I appreciated Nick's help, Dawson was right. You see, the thing is, I never went to college. I grew up in a middle-class family, but my parents couldn't afford to pay for my education. I wasn't smart enough to get a rocket scientist scholarship, and my ACT score was a measly 20. And besides, thinking about being so deep in debt that I'd have to eat ramen for the rest of my life made me sick to my stomach. Really, the one thing I had to rely on was my looks. My mom always told me I was pretty, but sometimes, more often than not, I wish I'd been born hideous in hopes of trading that in for smarts instead. So, once I graduated, I worked a few receptionist jobs. Because I was young and blonde and fresh-faced, I was the perfect candidate. Flashing the customers a pearly white smile and scheduling appointments was a piece of cake. But then, I found myself at my current job. The company is stingy, so the pay is horrible. The only reason I took the job was because I'd hoped it would lead me to some new opportunities. Instead, I've become a corporate slave who babysits educated adults that have to be told to push the restart button on their computer when it's acting a little funny. But I don't want any of you to think that because of my looks, I'm completely and utterly useless. Let's be clear on that. I'm really quite the opposite. In fact, my looks make for an excellent, inconspicuous cover. I may not have a degree, but I have an unusually strange amount of knowledge about toxicology. Specifically, the hardest poisons to detect. 
I've successfully used plenty of poisons like ethylene glycol, ricin, and oleander, but thallium sulfate is my favorite. Thallium sulfate is colorless, odorless, tasteless, and water-soluble. In fact, most doctors don't even think to test for thallium sulfate in the blood, and within three to four days of ingestion, you are deader than a doornail. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Although Prussian blue is the antidote, 15 milligrams will easily take anyone out way before they even realize what's going on. Considering the U.S. has not manufactured thallium since 1984, though, this is not an easy drug to get your hands on. Luckily, I've got friends in low places. Now, why is any of this important? Remember how I mentioned that email at the start? Well, I made a very special batch of cookies, and I fully intend to make sure that my entire office learns the deadly consequences of underestimating a lowly assistant. Revenge never tasted so sweet, and those cookies will taste positively deadly. The rest of my week went on as it normally would, but I did notice that Nick had become more of a constant in my day-to-day work. On one hand, I appreciated how helpful he was, and I was thankful for the breather. But on the other, I couldn't help but find it strange. I didn't know if I was just being paranoid or what, but something just felt off. I got the first warning sign when I walked into his cubicle around lunchtime today. I wish I wouldn't have gotten distracted and waved it off. Yes, I've been closely monitoring. Nick? My knuckles wrapped against the side of the cubicle before I raised a brow. Did I just see you talk into the cufflink of your suit jacket? I'd definitely seen it, and he knew I had too. There was no covering it up, so I was hoping he would be honest. (laughs) I guess you did. He chuckled coolly, spinning around in his chair to face me. The fact that he was so calm and collected about my questioning was strange. Care to explain? I arched a curious brow, my red-painted fingernails tapping the side of the cubicle anxiously. Oh, I've just got a wireless Bluetooth speaker in my cufflink. Just some new tech that I got from Santa. I eyed him suspiciously before laughing. (laughs) Santa? My brow quirked upwards again, a disbelieving smile stretching across my lips. But I decided to play along, slightly amused. And uh, what does Santa want with you at work? I thought you only volunteered on the weekends. 
A flicker of a smile tugged at his lips before he steepled his fingers and released a dramatic sigh. Ah, the North Pole never sleeps around this time of year. I'm increasingly busy these days. Uh Uh-huh. I shook my head, laughing once again at his silly antics. The two of us had grown close, working hand in hand. He was a bit odd, but then again, so was I. Nick ran a hand through his hair, shooting me one of his prize-winning smiles before hitting me with a wink. I had to admit this man was honestly too attractive for his own darn good. The fact that he was a lowly assistant like me was mind-boggling. I felt like he should have climbed to the top of the corporate ladder by now. Believe it or not, Chris, but Santa sees and hears everything, and without the help of his team, he wouldn't be able to get everything done in time for Christmas. I playfully slapped his shoulder before rolling my eyes. You're such a weirdo. With a pause, I smirked and whispered, So, am I on the naughty list or the nice list this year? It was admittedly a bit of a risky question, but the tension between us was undeniable. From the moment Nick had come to my rescue in the kitchen, both of us had been nearly inseparable. This was sure to give me some intel on whether he shared my same sentiments. If so, I could surely sway him from eating any of my special cookies at the Christmas party. I watched curiously as Nick stood from his chair and took a quick peek around. A large portion of the office had gone out to lunch together, and the others had their heads buried in their computers. An amused grin crept across my lips when he sat back down, a playful expression melting across his features. With a tug, he pulled me into his lap, brushing back a strand of hair before he whispered, Pretty sure you're on Santa's most wanted list. I stiffened at his words. I'd poisoned more people than I had fingers and toes for at this point, and as far as I knew, I hadn't been caught. He couldn't know anything about this, right? I was always very careful. Change of location, change of hair color, new name, new clothing, all of it. Just kidding. His eyes lit up mischievously as he studied my expression. But you have been very naughty. My cheeks burned a bright red. With a light smack to his chest, I stood back up and straightened my dress. (laughs) You dirty dog. Later that night, as I stood in my kitchen with a mixing bowl in hand, I couldn't help but to replay his words over and over in my mind. Before I'd left to go home, he had stopped me in the parking lot and asked to be my date for the Christmas party. Before I even realized what I was saying, the word yes flew past my lips. Little did I know, I was making a huge mistake. The next day flew by catapulting me into my plan faster than I'd even anticipated. As I strolled past the front door of Sunny's, the intoxicating smell of fine dining assaulted my nostrils. I felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb in my bright red dress, and Nick hadn't shown up to accompany me just yet. Everyone else was dressed in shades of black, white, and cream. These people were so incredibly boring. I didn't know if having a degree sucked the life out of you or something, but these colors sure were. Talia was dressed in a floor-length cream-colored gown, and despite her stunning red hair, the shade of that gown washed out her features in the worst way possible. I mean, it was Christmas for crying out loud, and not a single soul was dressed in red or green. 
By the time we were all seated and Mr. Jameson had raised a toast, I was admittedly getting nervous. Nick still hadn't shown up, and I didn't really like talking to any of these snobs besides exchanging the obligatory pleasantries. As I waited for him to show, my eyes couldn't help but glance over at my beautiful little Christmas cookies glistening on the table in the center of the room. I generously coated them in sugar and dusted them with a bit of cinnamon. Talia was happily loading each one of them up into separate boxes for everyone to take home. It took everything I had to wipe the evil smile off my face. Chris? My head whipped around and my face lit up when I realized it was none other than Nick. But of course, before I could even get a word in, Dr. Dawson was swaggering towards the both of us. Do I sense a little bit of workplace romance between you two? Rumor has it that Talia caught the both of you red-handed. Mentioned something about some unusual scans on the printer? We both blushed, instantly embarrassed. I'd hate for Dr. Jameson to find out. Wouldn't that just be a shame? Dawson smirked before slapping Nick on the shoulder. But we're cool, right? Nick flinched brushing him off before wrapping a protective arm around my waist. Say, we're both sensible men, right? If you let me take her out for a spin, we can just forget that any of that happened. My eyes zeroed in on Nick's clenched fist, so I did the only thing I could think of. I intervened and offered him a cookie. Dawson! Why don't I take you over to the cookie table? I made some of the best, you know. Dawson's eyes slid up to Nick's, a wicked smirk tugging at his lips before he reached out and took my hand. I'd love that, actually. I'm sure Santa's little helper could spare some time away from his precious little present. Now, couldn't he? Before Nick could even engage, I shot him a look and shook my head. Karma would deal with Dawson way before Nick needed to. I would be sure of that. Dragging him over to the table, I shoved a cookie into his hands and beckoned him to try a bite. The second his lips parted and he took a bite, I felt that all-too-familiar feeling. That sickeningly sweet rush of adrenaline I got every time I killed someone. And this was no different. If I dosed these correctly, he would die before Monday even rolled around. Except everything went downhill from here. Metaphorically speaking, well, and as you're about to see, quite literally the crap was about to hit the fan. Unbeknownst to me, something incredibly bizarre was about to go down, and my cookies would be the least of everyone's worries. Tonight, I would like to end this Christmas party with a huge thank you to Dr. Jameson. Talia was standing up from her seat mid-clap when a strange sound echoed across the room. My head instantly snapped in the direction of it, and so did everyone else's. There, hunched over the table, was a very sick-looking Dawson. Vomit spewed from his mouth like a geyser, chunks of his dinner splattering the pristinely white tablecloth in front of him. The two female co-workers he had been flirting with all night stood up and gasped. He was throwing up so profusely now that it was projectile, At this point, it was like something off of the exorcism. 
The two slim brunettes were covered in thick, slimy goo, the both of them screaming in disgust, or anger, or maybe both, before blowing chunks themselves. It was complete and utter chaos, and I couldn't help but smile. That smile quickly disappeared the second he fell backwards onto another table, though, his body flopping like a fish and spasming erratically. Glass shattered and silverware clattered to the ground. Darn it, the poison was setting in now. Anxiety hit me like a freight train. What if some of the others had eaten more than thump? Everyone's eyes darted to Mr. Jameson, his eyes rolling into the back of his head as he clutched his throat. He was choking and coughing, strange gurgling sounds emitting from his mouth. Thick crimson rivulets gushed from his nose and mouth as he fell into a heap on the floor. These people were dropping like flies. Perhaps I'd calculated the dosage completely wrong? I couldn't be here. Gathering my skirts, I stood from my seat and tried to rush past the chaos. But a woman the size of a whale had just wandered out in front of me, and the whole back of her dress was covered in brown? But then it hit me. It was feces. The smell was overwhelmingly strong. It honestly smelled like something had crawled up in her and died. I covered my nose, repulsion melting across my features when I watched it slide down her legs like a thickened chocolate syrup. This was nothing like what I'd expected. The horror of what I'd done was hitting me in waves. If these people dropped dead in this restaurant, the authorities would have their eyes on the restaurant first. But then they would surely begin to question if it was something else. I needed to get out of there, and I needed to get out of there fast. I just about made it to the door before I felt someone grab the back of my elbow. Spinning on my heel, I came face to face with Nick. Relief settled over me as I tried to drag him from the chaos that was continuing to ensue within the restaurant. Chris. I paused, my eyes searching Nick's before they landed on the slight curve of his lips. Did you enjoy your wine? Huh? Your wine. Did you enjoy it? My wine. What the heck are you going on about, Nick? This really is not the time to be a wine connoisseur. We really need to... And that's when I felt it. The slight tingling sensation dancing across the tip of my tongue. The numbness in my fingertips. The strange, light-headed feeling buzzing at the front of my head. My brows scrunched as I scrutinized his expression. I hadn't eaten a single cookie. But that's when it dawned on me. It, It was you... My words were slurred as I stumbled over them, hurriedly pushing them past disbelieving lips. With a slight nod, he chuckled. You like my handiwork, Chris? You and I are one and the same, way more alike than you even realized. Cut from the same cloth. What what do you mean? I struggled to get my lips to form the words. Whatever he had slipped into my wine was currently working its magic as we spoke. This is what happens when you don't pay those friends in low places, Chris. My eyes widened, large as saucers as his revelation slowly settled in. All those silly words he had been whispering into his cufflinks. They were code words. The North Pole was the black market, and Santa... Santa was the man I still owed money to. Nick was indeed one of his little helpers, and he had finally found me. White-hot fear coursed through me as I shoved past the front doors of the restaurant, falling into a heap on the ground. 
Nick was quick to scoop me up, walking us across the crosswalk and moving to his car so fast that it was making me dizzy. My head was swimming and my vision was going in and out of focus. I couldn't let him put me in that car. If he took me to another location, I knew I was as good as dead. With the last of my strength, I screamed. I screamed and screamed and screamed. He was quick to slap a hand over my mouth, but it was too late. I don't know what good I'd done in my past life, because after all the people I've murdered, I definitely didn't deserve this. But a blacked-out police cruiser had just rounded the corner in the parking garage, and it was heading directly towards us. Everything from this point forward is sort of spotty, but I do remember the sharp inhale of breath that Nick took before he abruptly dropped me. I rolled to the ground, my body almost completely paralyzed as I listened to the officer scream at him to get on the ground. My vision swam in and out as I watched Nick zigzag back and forth. The last thing I heard before I completely passed out was a gunshot. When I finally came to, it was in a hospital bed. My parents were hovering over me, tears glistening in their eyes as they explained everything. Nick Peters was a very dangerous criminal who had quickly been convicted of many charges, but the largest of those was murder by poison. Apparently, I was very lucky to be alive, but what I was more excited about was the fact that Nick's crime was the perfect cover-up for what I'd done. It was almost sort of exhilarating. In all my years of poisoning people, I'd never been caught. But the fact that I was teetering just on the edge this time was such an adrenaline rush. For the next few days, I laid in a hospital bed and recovered. I played the innocent victim, grieved the loss of my co-workers, and told the detectives everything that I knew. It wasn't much, but I gave them something to chew on. A little food for thought. I wasn't about to incriminate myself in any way, so I did what I do best. I tucked my blonde hair behind my ear, furrowed my brows, and played the pretty little damsel in distress. Everyone thought I was positively stupid anyways, so I channeled that and leaned into it. Serves everyone right for underestimating a pretty face. Everything was going smoother than butter when I made it home. So when I walked into my kitchen and saw a plate of cookies sitting on my island, you can only imagine the fear that raged through me when I noticed the note propped up beside them. With shaky hands, my fingers flicked open the paper, eyes scanning over the words before the realization finally set in. Disbelief. Denial. And then, an overwhelming urge to vomit. Dearest Chrissy, Santa wanted me to send his regards. You might have convinced the detectives of your innocence, but we know what you did. You'll be on our naughty list until the debt is paid. As for Nick, he'll be paying you a visit real soon. There are some of our own in the very police department that you think is protecting and serving you. We have eyes everywhere. Ears everywhere. Don't believe me? Take a look at your Christmas tree for me. We've left you a little gift of sorts. And while you're at it, have a cookie on us. Happy holidays, Talia Freeman. The note fell from my hands, spiraling to the floor. Talia, she was in on this too? 
My heart pounded viciously in my chest as my eyes darted over to the festively lit tree in my living room. Except this time, something was different. My legs trembled as I crept across the room, my eyes instantly zeroing in on the grisly scene before me. I was absolutely horrified and disgusted when I realized that every single one of my ornaments had been replaced. Various eyes and ears had been strung up and strategically placed on my tree. Skin dangled, torn and tattered, some of it stuck to the artificial evergreen needles. What terrified me the most was that the blood was still fresh. It dripped from the branches in a slow, steady stream. My eyes gradually traveled down, and that's when I saw it. My legs stumbled backwards before I doubled over and vomited. Underneath my tree sat one singular gift. I didn't dare to open it. The words painted in crimson over the snow-white wrapping paper was enough to persuade me otherwise. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. I hope you enjoyed He Sees You When You're Sleeping, as written by Haley Hinson and performed by Olivia Steele, Nick Goroff, Eric Peabody, and Michelle Kane. The author's name is Haley, but most people know her as just the girl next door. She is associated with the pen name Haley Henson and loves writing everything horror. Pen and paper have always been her solace. We look forward to hearing much more of her work on our network. Olivia Steele is a voice actress who loves the spooky side of things. Her talent varies between gameplay, live stream archives, singing, and other voiceover related things. Eric Peabody hosts Horror Hill right here on our network, airing Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time. You can hear more of Michelle Kane over on the Creepy Podcast at www.creepypod.com. Our second tale of the evening is written by Justine Anastasia and is performed by herself and Nick Goroff. They say, once a cheater, always a cheater, right? This tale explains why that may not be such a good idea. Now, without further ado, I present to you, Yuletide Spirits. You may be inclined to believe that bars would be empty on Christmas Eve, but that's not often the case. Many such establishments do a roaring business around the holidays. Don't judge. Not everyone has been gifted a holly jolly set of circumstances. Most Christmas Eve barflies are there to find courage, or gather composure, or to forget. Those people deserve to be left alone. But there are others. There are always others. As I swallow the last of my gingerbread martini, a man slides onto the stool next to me. Give me a shot of good tequila. And when I say good, I mean better than Patron. He says, snapping at the bartender. In case his intentions weren't obvious enough, he makes no secret of eyeing me up and down. And get this sexy little lady another whatever girly cocktail she's drinking. When he winks at me, I smile back. 
I can tell just by looking that he is exactly what I want tonight. I can always tell just by looking. The bartender, Arn, already knows what I like. I've been coming here for a long time. He sets our drinks down on cocktail napkins and turns away without a word. The man sitting next to me tosses back his shot with a flourish. After slamming the glass down onto the bar, he turns to me and grins. What's your name? I smile, taking a sip of my drink. What's yours? Brody. He looks awfully proud. You come here often? Often enough. You here alone, or have you got a man with you? A man? No. I'm here by myself tonight. I can't believe that. He leans close enough for me to smell tequila on his breath. You're too hot to be single. Are you here with anyone? Just me, baby. He grins. You get me all to yourself. I ignore the wedding band on his finger. No holiday plans with the family? Glancing away, he snaps at the bartender for another shot. Nope. No plans. No family. As soon as Arn sets the tequila down in front of him, he swallows it. So? His cocky grin is back in place. What's your type? Good, honest men. I do so detest a liar. You'd be surprised how hard it is to find a true gentleman. Well, look no further, baby. I'm all you could ever want and more. Is that so? Cross my heart. Hope to die. Ask me anything you want. Anything? I'm an open book. It's difficult not to laugh, listening to him lie so confidently about being honest. Very well. How long have you been married? Married? I told you, I don't have a... Look at me. Grinning, he lowers his eyes to my chest. Don't have to tell me twice. Up here, Brody. Into my eyes. You got it, you sexy. He stops talking. His eyes glaze over, the muscles in his face slackening. Good boy. Let's try this again, shall we? How long have you been married? Fourteen. Fifteen years. His voice is dull, slightly slurred. Do you love your wife, Brody? Not particularly. Perfect. I don't want the nice ones. The men who wear their wedding rings with pride. The husbands whose faces light up at the mention of their wives. The boyfriends eager to get home and snuggle up to their girlfriends. No, those are never the ones I go home with. Tell me the worst thing you've ever done. I cheated on my wife during our honeymoon. It pains me to say, Brody, that doesn't sound particularly honest or gentlemanly. That's not even the worst of it. I paid someone. Waited until my wife fell asleep and went out looking. And why would you do that? Because I could. And I wanted to. It was my vacation too, after all. I paid for most of it. This is exactly what I wanted. The men I desire most. 
tell me, Brody, how many times have you cheated on her since? Couldn't tell you. Dozens. What if I said I wanted to spend the night with you? Where would you take me? Home. I can't imagine Mrs. Brody would appreciate that very much. She's not home. Won't be till late. Oh? Took the kids to her parents. Some Christmas Eve family thing. And you didn't want to go? Hell no. Can't stand them. Not her, not her parents. Not even my kids. Always. About time. Daddy, look what we made you. Never a second for myself. You poor thing. How did you manage to get out of it? Told the wife I didn't feel good. Had a headache. I'm sure she'll survive without me. I'm sure she will. I finally look away, breaking eye contact to take one last swallow of my drink. Shall we? Huh? What? Brody blinks, rubbing the bridge of his nose. What did you say? Aren't we going back to your place? His eyes sharpen, that signature cocky grin back on his face. He waves the bartender over to pay the tab, his tab to be specific. I leave cash on the bar before slipping into my white coat, nodding to Arn on my way out. I feel it important to mention that Brody neither helps me into my coat nor holds the door for me. By the time I make it out to the parking lot, he is standing on the driver's side of his Tesla, gesturing for me to hurry. I'm not complaining, mind you, simply observing. As I've said, these are the ones I desire. His house, when we pull up to it, is exactly what I expected. A species of garden variety McMansion favored by the unimaginative Wall Street type. I barely manage to take a look around before Brody drags me upstairs to the master bedroom. The overpowering sight of all that beige makes me feel even sorrier for his wife. Roughly, he strips off my coat and lets it drop to the floor. It hits the hardwood with a loud thump, but he doesn't notice. Aiming for my mouth, he launches himself at me, tongue already hanging out. Reaching forward, I press my hand against his chest, holding him back. His tongue slides back into his mouth, face tightening into a pout. I thought it would be better to take our time. Don't you agree? He nods, still sulking. Lay down on the bed for me. That gets him to stop pouting. Racing over to the bed, he flings all of the throw pillows to the floor. Good boy. Now close your eyes. I don't have to watch to know that this command is obeyed. I go to the wall switch and dim all of the lights in the room, leaving just enough to see by. Pleased that his eyes are still closed, I get up onto the bed, straddling Brody at the knee. When I lean over him and begin undoing the buttons of his shirt, he stretches his hands behind his head and grins. This is what I'm talking about. See? I told you. It's so much better if we take it nice and slow. I unhook the last button and let the shirt fall away, exposing his chest and stomach. 
the ghost of a six-pack that has started to go soft, carefully shaven. Still, I've seen worse. I lift the hem of my white dress and glide a hand up to my thigh. Oh, yeah. Brody says, eyes still closed. I deserve this. Yes, you absolutely do. I pull the long, sharp knife from underneath my skirts, raise it above my shoulder, and stab the blade down into Brody's stomach, right below his belly button. His eyes fly open with shock and pain, but he only starts to scream once he sees my face. My second self, as it were. One I love just as dearly as my beautiful side. The demeanor of an old hag with small, pointed teeth and a hooked beak of a nose. (laughs) What? What? What am I doing? I would think it quite obvious. I prefer to slit from belly to sternum and open Brody's torso in a nice, clean slice. His screams devolve into wet, choking gurgles. The look on his face, pure poetry. Terror and pain, of course, but also a bewildered kind of betrayal. I would wager my last piece of silver that bringing a hideous hag into his bed has upset him more than his ongoing disembowelment. Reaching in with both hands, I scoop out intestines and organs. Something that looks like a pancreas goes flopping onto the floor. I would tell you that I'm sorry, I rip out another handful of innards. But I do so detest a liar. Under normal circumstances, most humans would not still be alive. But my visits are unique. Brody is reduced to a whiny breed of moaning by the time I start to stuff him. I had already retrieved the dark leather sack hidden within the folds of my coat. Reaching inside, I bring out fistfuls of straw and pack them into the open, bleeding cavity that was once Brody's abdomen. The straw is followed by a dozen or so palm-sized stones. Only when I finish and stand to admire my work does Brody gasp out a last, unhappy breath. Satisfied with a job masterfully done, I let out a delighted cackle and wait as the hag retires. Now that Brody has been attended to, I take my time looking around the room. I study the framed wedding picture in the bedroom, the family photos in the hallway. Brody was the bad apple here. I can tell just by looking that his wife and two daughters are sweet, good people. I can always tell just by looking. No sticks and stones for them. They each get a silver coin left at the foot of their beds. I take special care to leave the one for Brody's wife on a patch of blanket free from blood. Happy with tonight's work, I collect my things and retrieve my coat from the floor. I slip my arms into the sleeves and do up the buttons, concealing the lovely crimson bloodstains on my white dress. Snow is falling as I step out into the icy night air. Already there is a thin white layer covering the ground. All along the road, leading to the house across the street, are giant cloven footprints. Delightfully surprised, I look up to the roof and find what I was hoping to see. An enormous hunched figure with pointed goat horns extending into the dark. In an uncommon gesture of affection, he nods to me, 
lifting a claw in recognition. Smiling, I blow him a kiss and continue on into the night. I hope you enjoyed Yuletide Spirits, as written by Justine Anastasia and performed by herself and Nick Goroff. You can find more of Justine Anastasia right here on our very own network. Voice actor and 2016 Evil Idol champion Nick Goroff's talents can be found on our very own Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, as well as on past episodes of the Simply Scary podcast. You can also join Nick on his YouTube channel, Wizard of Cause. On to the shows. Longtime resident Otis Jiry has his very own show here on our network, Scary Stories Told in the Dark, which you can hear every Sunday night. We also have Eric Peabody's Horror Hill, a podcast dedicated to some of our deeper and darker tales. We hope you check him out. And Drew Blood's Dark Tales airs Fridays, featuring some southern down-home horror. And don't forget to check out the Fear from the Heartland archives, featuring more than 120 episodes. Well, friends, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you've not done so already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host of the evening, Steve Taylor, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again on Wednesday night with host Paul J. McSorley when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. See you next Monday. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.